My name is Deborah. I'm a writer who loves all things money. I'm Hui Yu, and I'm a financial advisor who wants to help you fall in love with money. And you're listening to Good Girls Talk About Money, the monthly podcast where we talk about how you can build a clearer picture of your financial well-being and be more confident about money in general. Welcome back to another episode of Good Girls Talk About Money. Hi, Dad. Hi. Happy Labor Day weekend to you. Yes, I can tell it's a very happy Labor Day weekend for your neighbor who's been singing karaoke ever since I got in here. Rodan Keating, to be specific. <laughs> they like his songs. Okay, cool. So anyway, what are we going to talk about this week? Okay. Um, we are taking stock. We are going to take stock of mm-hmm. our finances. Okay. Uh, now it's May. Mm-hmm. Last April, which is slightly more than a year ago, that's when Circuit Breaker started. Yeah. So I got curious about my own finances mm-hmm. and whether I'm in a better position yep. or there has been leakage, which I would be very upset with myself <laughs> if there was. Because I'm just thinking, last year I couldn't travel, I didn't travel mm-hmm. since Circuit Breaker started. Yeah. Which means that, or rather, which should translate into the money that I usually spend on traveling should have gone into my savings or my investments. And is that the case? That's very optimistic, but okay, go on. <laughs> and when I spoke to my clients, yeah. I found that that is not the case because they have started online shopping aggressively mm-hmm. to cope with being cooped up at home, to cope with being cooped up with uh, annoying family members, to, I don't know, to divert their energy from not being able to travel, yep. things, stress, yep. I don't know. Okay. Mm-hmm. And therefore, uh, when brainstorming about which what topic to talk about, I asked that if we should take stock mm. since it's about maybe uh, a quarter into the new year. Yeah. Okay. So when we talk about taking stock of our financial health, right? What are some of the key metrics we're looking at? Three key things mm. is to make it quite simple. Mm. Okay. First one, assets. Mm-hmm. Have your assets, meaning your savings, mm-hmm. your cash and bank, your uh, investments, mm-hmm. your property investments, yep. have your assets gone up? Yep. Second, have your liabilities come down? Mm. If you have any mortgage, if you have any credit card loans, if you have any student loans, has it come down? Yep. Third, income. Mm-hmm. Is it stable? Mm-hmm. Did you experience a, a pay freeze or did you have a pay cut due to COVID? Yep. Or did you lose your job? Mm. Therefore, it has to be quite uh, subjective. It has to be uh, taken into consideration with your own personal circumstance. Mm. Okay, and so this is a lot to comprehend, especially for people like me who kind of like just, you know, I only invest when I have some spare cash lying around, um, try not to spend so much, try not to buy too many big ticket items so that I don't incur too many liabilities. But, you know, I think for for me, it's a very complicated... I mean, the way I look at how my money behaves and how whether my financial health has actually taken a... uh, has actually improved or deproved, so to say, right? Like, you know, it's... I don't know. I 
I find it very hard to measure, but maybe I will have a better idea of how to do it after we hear about you. About you. How do you, you know, take stock of your financial health? Okay, so when, when Debs and I were, were talking about uh, this episode, mm-hmm. I asked her, how much do we want to review? Yep. And then she said, um, and she raised a good point, because if we just say 20% yep. of our income, mm-hmm. I it could vary so much depending exactly. on the person's income. I mm-hmm. mean, for someone who's making 5k versus someone making uh, 30k a month, mm. 20% is a huge difference. Yeah. So maybe let's talk about uh, absolute figures instead. Yeah. So wait, I'm going to stop Huiyu here for a little bit of a trivia. So when I was asking her earlier on whether I should buy a, a bag, the bag was like 1006 so basically, I saw. I don't know. I don't know whether I should splurge out on this bag, which is one thousand six. And she comes in and say, "Yeah, I had the same problem too. I was thinking of whether I should splurge out on a Patek Philippe watch for thirty thousand dollars." And I'm like, "You see, the kind of like levels we're talking about is so different." So in case you're gonna switch off from our podcast, thinking, you know what? Both these girls have their money in control, and they're gonna like you know, invest in all these things that will give them so much money in return, right? That's not true. That's Kui on one end of the spectrum and there's Debs on the other end of the spectrum. So take heart that we represent both sides of the coins quite uh, evenly. So, but, but, but the thing we have in common <laughs> what? is that we both enjoy shopping and we both enjoy uh, pampering ourselves from time to time. Yep. And I think that's the keyword. If you... I think there's no point in taking out all the joy mm. from financial planning if you were to just save and invest every single cent. True. And, and don't take the, the time to pamper yourself from time to time. Mm. That's why when, when Debs asked me if she should just buy the bag, I said go ahead. She has been very disciplined from, uh, I don't know, way back. And she she hardly, I mean, what, you only, when's the last time you bought something expensive? Uh, paid about 6000 for the car that I'm driving now. Okay. And another four thousand for this ring that I bought recently. I did not hear about this ring. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's a feng shui ring. It was a necessary purchase. But anyway, you know. Yeah. So so maybe the bag can we can have, <laughs> we can we can look at buying the bag again in a few months time. But yes, Query, let's go back to your your financial health. Right. Tell me how. Has it improved? And, you know, in terms of how your assets have been performing, right? You know, what 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 are the improvements that you've seen? Okay. Uh, I have been waiting for a long time mm-hmm. for the market to drop sharply. Okay. And why, when I say long time, right? It's because these market cycles, they come in 10 to 12 years. Mm-hmm. Last year was COVID. So the markets were very, very affected by the, the un- and unexpected pandemic that struck us. Mm-hmm. Before 2020, the last, um, what do you call it, financial crisis was the subprime crisis, which happened in 08. Mm. So that is 12 years. Yep. And since then, I have been waiting. But I I was still investing regularly. It's just that I kept quite a bit, a, a big chunk in cash, mm. waiting for an opportunity. And then yep. last year, it came. And so last year, I invested a huge chunk of my cash mm-hmm. into unit trust yep. or mutual funds. Yeah. And at the beginning of last year, mm. I had about a hundred thousand yep. sing dollars in unit trust, mm-hmm. and now I have about three hundred thousand in unit trust. Mm. So that okay, from there, from from unit trust alone, I know uh, a big chunk of the money is there, mm. uh, 
and thankfully I did not spend two hundred thousand on anything else. Okay. Okay, so that's your trust. And then last year I also started dabbling a little bit into crypto. Yeah. Specifically Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. I have about fifty thousand Sing dollars there. Mm-hmm. And um, because the stock, especially US stock, it went crazy last year. Yeah. Um, I started to buy sell US stocks. But I am very aware of the fact that that week is gambling because mm-hmm. I don't know very much about the companies. I mean, I, I read a bit about it. Yeah. And because I'm just playing, right? Mm. I only... Okay, I currently only have about 10,000 mm. SGD okay. still in US shares. Yeah. I sold about 40,000. Mm-hmm. Where did the 40,000 go? Back into Unitrust. Okay. So, okay. Uni- Unitrust will always be my safety net. Okay. Because the funds that I buy have been researched by my company, they have been approved by my company. Yeah. It's my investment team that does the research mm-hmm. and I trust the research. Okay. So if I have uh, money that I want to grow seriously, mm-hmm. that's where I will put my money. Okay. And in terms of income, mm-hmm. did it technique, did it grow? I heard you had a fantastic year last year. You heard. You told me, right? I told you, okay. <laughs> Okay, so this is the surprising part. Mm-hmm. Last year I was at home for two months, mm-hmm. right? We all were. And for two months I was just languishing. I mean, there wasn't much to do. I couldn't go out, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't see my clients. And, and maybe I'm of a certain age where I don't switch to non face to face so quickly. <laughs> I'm a bit more old fashioned. I like to meet people, I like to meet my clients. Okay. So I told myself, okay, you know what? Let's just take a break for two months. Mm. I did do some business but very minimal, and therefore I was expecting last year's income to take a hit. Mm. Surprisingly, last year outperformed 2019. Okay. I, I think it's, uh, even my clients, right, were feeling very, I don't know, uh, cabin fever. Okay. Okay. And the spare cash lying around, and, the, and maybe because I was constantly sending out texts to remind them that this market dropped, comes in 10 to 12 years, so please grab the opportunity. And the clients who follow my advice, they invested quite aggressively, mm. which then contributed to my, my income growing quite a bit last yep. year, significantly. Okay. Mm. So last year's, last year's income was good. Yep. I would say <laughs> it, it grew by maybe 100,000. Whoa, okay. I'm trying to sustain it this year. Is it too late to go into financial advice? <laughs> growth there, liabilities went down. I mean, I'm still paying my mortgage. I don't have any outstanding credit card mm-hmm. debt. Yeah. So my, my, my mortgage went down. All in all, I am in a pretty good standing. Very good. So three things. Let me do a quick recap. Three things. Mm-hmm. Look at your assets. Yep. Look at your liability. Mm-hmm. Look at your income. Yep. You know, I assured all of you that my financial health does not come in such a neat bundle for analysis. Okay, so bear with me as I kind of stumble around and fumble around with the numbers a little bit. So, you know, um, you said 
earlier on how all your assets like your mutual funds grew by how much you went into crypto and then um, you know whatever little spare cash you have you put into the US stock market just sort of like a test the water kind of thing right for me um, I don't I'm not an, I'm not an aggressive investor okay so the one big thing that I've decided last year was that savings accounts are just useless the the kind of interest rate that savings <clears throat> savings accounts give is kind of negligible so I got to thinking why put 10k into an account that's only going to give me seven cents in return why don't I just put it into like a robo advisory uh, service right so that's what I did I put a, I decided to take out a bulk of my savings and put it all into like a robo advisory app so I've invested about seven, uh, fourteen thousand dollars, one four, <clears throat> into a robo advisory app account, and um, so far I've made about three thousand dollars. So that's seventeen thousand um, dollars as we speak today. Um, and then I got curious about another one, and I put in about four thousand five recently, just to see whether you know it's performing slightly better or it will give me some kind of variety. I don't know. Um, yeah, unlike Puri, I'm quite I, I'm quite excited by new apps. So so um, I decided to put about four thousand five into that account, and um, it's only been a month or so, and I've made about fifteen dollars. But all in all, what I'm realizing is, yeah, savings accounts are pointless. You know, the kind of I will never make that kind of interest. You know, in interest if I just put it into a savings account. Plus, these robo advisory apps usually they don't have a lock in period. So for me that kind of function a little bit like a savings account it's not like a super you know the risk index isn't isn't super high you know it's not like you will see your amount the, the amount that you put into these apps fluctuate very greatly so that's the thing um i would say that the total amount of money that i put towards investment have has um, doubled so at the end of october last year i was maybe investing about 2005 2002 a month um, and we just finished April, so I am now investing close to 4,500 a month. Well done. And it's a bit of a robo advisory, a bit of insurance, a bit the retirement plans that I have with you, um, the mutual funds that I also have, you know, investing them through using my CPF, some cash and stuff like that. And um, I also recently got into crypto, so um, not as much as Huiyu has, who has 50k, I don't have that much. So yeah, so just dabbling a little bit into crypto just to sort of just get these small gains that I will never see if I have just put my money into a savings account. So that's the thing. So um, I think earlier on, you were showing me how well that portfolio that I have maintained with you yes. yeah, is performing. So what was the percentage again? Do you remember? Well, cash was doing about 52% profit. Yeah. Which is very, very high. I mean, uh-huh. I would say it was largely contributed by last year's crash. Yeah. And you invested it. So Debs has been a client for quite a few years. <laughs> and she's one of the one of the trusting ones or rather one of the, the clients who will take my advice when I say mm. invest more. Yeah. This is a great time. Mm. And as a result, she's enjoying the, the profits, the very fat <laughs> profits right now. So yep. congratulations. Yay! So I think all in all, the, the, the portfolio that I maintained with you, you were saying that the cash component was about 56% profit and then the CPF component was about 32%. 
And so all in all, I think maybe I'm looking at an average of my money having grown maybe 50% uh, year on year in terms of assets. So that's an improvement. Uh, in terms of income, <clears throat> I changed my job um, end of October last year. Um, got a small pay increment for that. So income definitely went up. And I started my side hustle. Um, in May last year, I started. To, I decided to sell Grey Salad. And, you know... Which is amazing, by the way. So if anybody <laughs> wants to buy fantastic Grey Salad, please order it from Devatan. Uh, so anyway, so that side hustle, by the end of December 2020, have earned me about... $9,000 just by selling ways for about seven months. So I was earning about 1000 a month. I keep asking you to start this business. <laughs> yeah, so that $9,000 I invested as well. So that went into all my investment as well. Uh, in terms of liabilities, yes, I w- I'm still continuing to pay down on my mortgage. But I changed um, a new second-hand car recently, and that brought my monthly car loan uh, down by 100. I have no credit card debts. And yeah, so that's, that's really the two big liabilities I have, my house and my car. But I have a question here, though. Although it does sound like I'm not doing too badly, mm. I struggle to to get the kind of big numbers that you have. Okay. Yeah, so so I don't know, like, you know, when we say, like, you know, I've paid down on my mortgage, I have, you know, made this much money in extra income, I've invested, and, you know, the money has grown 50%. But if you ask me today, debts, can you afford to buy a second property? I don't think I can. Or maybe I can, but I don't know I can. Because I, I still struggle to see how, how I have grown financially, you see. So what, from, as my financial advisor, what, would you, what do you have to say about that? I think our first question, why you use second property as the benchmark? Mm. And I think many Singaporeans like the idea of having a second property. Yeah. It seems like the accomplishment of a lifetime or something, you know? Yeah. But I need to highlight again mm-hmm. that in this current climate yeah. in Singapore, mm. property as an investment may not be the most profitable instrument. Mm. And there may be uh, instruments that are a lot more hassle-free yeah. and can get you the same level of profit or more. Mm. It's just that Singaporeans, they have it so ingrained in their heads that yeah. you buy property, you can feel it, you can see, you can see. I don't know, like you're renting out yeah. All these things, right? Capital capital gains are rental you you can get it from another product. You don't even need to wait for tenants, you don't even need to fix your aircon or your like your toilet bowl. Mm. So okay, back to your question. <coughs> I okay, for Debs, right? Her main concern is retirement. It has always been. Mm. She has she has always been very concerned about not being able to retire comfortably and maintain her her current standard of living. And therefore, a lot of her money goes into the future pockets. Mm. I'm transferring her money from the current pocket into future future pockets. Yep. And that is why you don't see a lot of cash mm. either your bank mm. or your your own investment accounts right now. Yeah. Okay. Because I need to think about the longevity yep. of the money. <clears throat> and there's also this concern that if you see too much money in either your bank account or your, your robot accounts, you may be tempted to spend it. True. 
So I always come back to my philosophy, which is when income comes in, right? When your salary comes in, you pay yourself first mm. before you pay merchants. Yeah. And and that's something that I have been doing with debts. Mm. And that's why when, when her salary comes in, it goes into her retirement plans, it goes into her, her mutual funds, places where she can't readily access. Mm. But it's still there. Okay, so if I were to answer your question very honestly, are you in a better better place now? I would say yes. Mm-hmm. But can you retire next year? You no, can't. Why? <laughs> yes. So yeah. I think okay. Um, while you guys are doing your own your own stock stock take of your financial standing, maybe it would be good to talk to someone who can give you an objective. Yeah. Uh, I don't know opinion assessment. Mm-hmm. Preferably, you can do this with your financial advisor. The financial advisor should be the best person to talk to or to do this assessment with. Mm. Otherwise, if you have friends who you don't mind revealing your numbers to, yep. I think why not? But I always find it better to talk to professionals because mm. okay, when I go through this exercise, right, I talk to my colleagues as well and I ask them, okay, do you think my, my, the percentage of my, my allocation of my assets are healthy. Okay. Because I could be blindsided by my own emotions. Yeah. So I always talk to IFE, talk to professionals, but then again, you need to talk to professionals mm-hmm. who you can trust. Yeah. Because uh, a common complaint that I hear from, from people around me or from their friends is that every time they meet a financial advisor, it's just to sell them things. Yeah. Which shouldn't be the case. Mm. I have many clients who, who text me or who call me when they are changing jobs, when they want to buy or sell a house, when they want to change cars. And for me, it's just an exercise to see if they can afford it, if they have um, spare cash, if, if it's a good time mm-hmm. for them to go into this big ticket purchase. Yeah. So I hope you guys have your own person mm-hmm. to do this exercise with you. Yeah. Okay. I think some of the key takeaways that um, I've gathered from what you just said, first of all, think about whether you want your money to work for you for the future or for the present, right? So basically, I guess all of us have different priorities. So if you want, like, say, your money to sort of go towards the purchase of a condominium, for example, or a flashy new sports car, for example, nothing wrong with that. But, you know, basically what you spend now you may not see it in the future. But for me, you know, if I want to build towards, you know, retiring com- comfortably and maintaining a certain uh, standard of living, then I have to stop. I have to do something about my formulas. So just because people buy car, people buy house, I cannot sort of like, I also want to buy house, I also want to buy car, right? And then the second thing is pay yourself first. So what, however you design your investment portfolio, however you sort of plan how you want to grow your money, maybe a good way of making sure that you always have money going towards the things that are growing your money is to pay yourself first when your salary comes in every month, right? And then obviously, then the next one would be speak to a professional that you can trust, right? And then obviously, the fourth one is when you're taking stock of your financial health, the three things that you need to look at is assets, liabilities, and income. So when you do approach a professional to talk about all these things, I think my advice is to do your homework first so that you're not, you know, spending 
that first meeting just struggling to find the numbers that's necessary. So with things like SingPass nowadays, it's so easy to just take a look at how your CPF account is doing as well. Because just now earlier on when we were sort of taking stock of this, I logged into my CPF and said, oh, surprisingly, this is how much I have in my special account, right? So I think, you know, do your homework, have that laundry list of what your assets are, what your income is, you know, your liabilities, and even your monthly expenditure. So what your budget, your monthly budget actually looks like. So things like that, you know, it's just a start to how to sort of take stock of your financial health. Um, any other kind of important lesson you want to share? Uh, okay, I would... You, you find that I keep coming back to pay yourself first. Mm. I, I say this to almost all my clients, and sometimes people forget. But I really like the, the way CPF works, the CPF system. The, the, the minute the, your pay comes, it's deducted. Your CPF is deducted, so you yep. don't touch it. And when I speak to my clients, the, the assessment to see if they are doing well, or rather saving well, is do they have savings that are equal or more than their CPF accounts? Mm. And most people don't. Do, wait, again, do they have equal or more cash or investments than what they have in CPF? Wow, do I? No, my God. Okay. <laughs> most people, I find that most people have more, more money in OA. Ah, uh, yeah. Than in cash or than in investments. Okay. And it's because salary comes in that gets deducted by CPF and it's money that they cannot touch. Yep. Whereas the cash that they save, they can touch. Mm. So, if you can replicate the same system that CPF is doing and you, you set aside 20% of your gross income mm-hmm. for investments, which is essentially you paying yourself first, I think that's a very good habit to start. Or if you find that you, you don't need to spend a lot of money, like I have a, a friend, a client, who is very frugal mm-hmm. and she eats Thai fun a lot. And uh, yeah, she definitely doesn't spend a lot. She can't afford to, to save and invest a large chunk of her income. Yeah, I think maybe my, my present wallet would look a lot better if I stopped doing food delivery and cook my own food more often. <laughs> Or just go downstairs and buy. I know. I yeah. I think that's a disgusting habit that I need to fix. But anyway, so on that, I think um, we will end today's episode. Yep. Also, to share a little bit of good news, we just checked the ranking of our podcast, and apparently, we are number eight in self improvement. So, whoever's been supporting us by listening to this podcast and you know telling your friends about us, we just want to say a very thank big you. thank you to to you. And, um, and if you are new to this podcast and you're listening to us for the first time and if you really like what you're hearing, please review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you hear your podcast and um, tell your friends about us. And with that, we wish you a happy May and we'll see you in June. Bye. Bye.